0: Pastor Chris's podcast. Next Sunday will be the beginning of Advent, which is a season of waiting and preparation as we prepare for Christmas. So, next Sunday, we will begin a new series of sermons titled In Between, which will consider those times in life when we feel like we're stuck in between, like we're waiting for something to happen, but it's not happening yet. And as we do that, we will also consider what happened to God's people between in the 400 years between the completion of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament when Jesus was born. But in order to prepare for a sermon series about the time in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, I feel like we need to summarize the Old Testament today. And so my first thought was, Hey, wouldn't it be cool to do a sermon where we cover the entire Old Testament in 25 minutes or less? And then my second thought was, they will kill me. <laughs> a lot of people shy away from the Old Testament because it's full of ancient material that can be different, difficult to read. And, and there's a lot of good stories in the Old Testament, but then there's also a, a legal book. Right there in the middle of it. How many of y'all just decide, I want some good reading today. I think I'll read the book of law of uh, Georgia. Tom does it, but you know, he's, he's kind of that way. Um, also in the midst of the Old Testament is a hymnal right smack in the middle, what we call the book of Psalms, which is a great book full of good stuff. But how many of you pull out your hymnal and, when you're getting ready to go to bed at night and say, I think I'll read the hymnal today? I mean, we just don't do it that way. But that's, those books are in the Old Testament, and it makes it difficult to read. And also, think about this. The Old Testament makes up 85% of the Bible, and the New Testament is only like 15%. So if you started, if you said, I'm going to read the whole Bible this year, and you start in January, and you begin reading, and you're reading, you will go all the way until sometime in November... Before you even start the New Testament. And then you're done with the New Testament by the end of December. And so you're like, oh my gosh, the entire, almost the entire Bible is the Old Testament. And then there's just this tiny little appendix at the end that seems to be the New Testament. And so I thought, how in the world can I summarize the Old Testament in 25 minutes? And if I could, they probably would stone you to death like they did in the Old Testament. And then I realized there's actually a Christian in the New Testament who preached a sermon that summarized the entire Old Testament, and they actually did stone him for it. And so for today, I want to read you this man's sermon. His name was Stephen, and he is known as the first Christian martyr. Who died for his faith in Jesus Christ. According to Acts chapter 6, verse 8, Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. He performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Stephen was one of the first. Christian deacons of the church. He did pastoral visits and helped run a program to feed the poor and orphans and widows in the community. But the Jewish leaders of that town were very jealous of Stephen's wisdom and his influence. And so they, because they couldn't uh, win an argument against him, instead they falsely accused him of blasphemy and they brought him before the high council of Jerusalem. And this is the sermon that Stephen preached in his defense. And it's in the seventh chapter of Acts. Instead of having the words up on the screen since we're going to read the whole chapter, I put up uh, just an outline of his sermon, which is also a pretty good summary of the Old Testament. And so we'll be going through that as I read. In Acts chapter 7... Then the high priest asked Stephen, what are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign land where they would be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God said, and in the end they will come out and worship me here in this place. God also gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision at that time. So when Abraham became the father of Isaac, he circumcised him on the eighth day. And the practice was continued when Isaac became the father of Jacob and when Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs of the Israelite nation. These patriarchs patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and and rescued him from all his troubles. And God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. But a famine came upon Egypt and Canaan. There was great misery, and our ancestors ran out of food. Jacob heard that there was still grain in Egypt, so he sent his son, our ancestors, to buy some. The second time they went, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers, and they were introduced to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent for his father Jacob and all his relatives to come to Egypt, 75 persons in all. So Jacob went to Egypt. He died there, as did our ancestors. Their bodies were taken to Shechem and buried in the tomb Abraham bought for a certain price from Hamor's sons in Shechem. As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. But then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. This king exploited our people and oppressed them, forcing parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. At that time, Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. When they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. One day, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day, he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside "'Who made you a ruler and judge over us?' he asked. "'Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday?' "'When Moses heard that, he fled the country "'and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. "'There his two sons were born. Forty years later, in the desert near Sinai, "'an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. "'When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight.' As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I, will certainly, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses himself told the people, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your people. Moses was with our ancestors, the assembly of God's people in the wilderness, when the angel spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And there Moses received life-giving words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us some gods who can lead us, for we don't know what has become of this Moses who brought us out of Egypt. So they made an idol shaped like a calf and they sacrificed to it and celebrated over this thing they had made then god turned away from them and abandoned them to serve the stars of heaven as their gods in the book of the prophets it is written was it to me you were bringing sacrifices and offerings those 40 days 40 years in the wilderness israel no you carried your pagan gods the shrines of molech the stars of your god rephan and the image you made to worship them so i will send you into exile As far away as Babylon. Our ancestors carried that tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed according to the plan God had shown Moses. Years later, when Joshua led our ancestors in battle against the nations that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into their new territory. And it stayed there until the time of King David. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobey God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. And so in this passage, it's a long passage, but it's a passage where we see a very good summary of the Old Testament. It's not all inclusive. As I read it, you might have thought to yourself, well, it's some things missing there. Where's the story of the creation? What about Noah and the Ark? And maybe you had other stories that came to mind. Well, it's a summary. It's kind of like the Cliff Notes. If you read the Cliff Notes, you're not going to hear all of the, the entire story of the book. You're just going to hit the highlights. If you want the whole story, you've got to read the whole Old Testament, which is going to take you from January to November if you want to do that. And that's good. It's a good thing to do. I encourage you to do it. But the Old Testament is the story of how people turned their backs on God and how God began to work to restore that relationship. God chose Abraham to represent God to the world. And then God raised up from Abraham's descendants the nation of Israel to bring God's light to the whole world. Uh, Israel became selfish and began to forget about God, and they were more concerned with their own glory. And so God sent prophets to remind them what their purpose was and to call them into repentance and to call them back to their purpose. But ultimately, Israel failed to represent God to the world in the proper way. But God would still use that broken vessel to bring the world's salvation through Jesus Christ, who was a Jew with Israelite ancestry. God would send his Messiah to be his perfect representative, to be all that Israel failed to be, who would restore the broken relationship between God and people. Jesus is that Savior. And, and this is the person that Stephen was testifying for, who he was being a witness to show the people who he was. And then the, the chapter finishes out in Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through 59. It says the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. And they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting and they rushed at him and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. And this is an incredible story, a tragic story. But it's also somehow a hopeful story. Now I want to give you today, as we close, three take-homes for you to think about. The first one is this. Don't stop up your ears. Don't stop up your ears. If you are so dead set on drowning out the voice of God, then you might end up doing something terrible. Now think about this. Stephen's murderers, they weren't thugs. They weren't ex-cons. They weren't gangsters. They were holy people, religious people, priests, prophets, spiritual leaders, healers. People in the community looked up to them for spiritual guidance. These were the people who killed Who murdered Stephen? But they were so wrapped up in their own ideas, their own passions, their own viewpoints, their own politics, that they would rather murder someone than have their beliefs challenged. And I think about that, and I think about the world that we live in today, which has become so divided where people have separated themselves out into their own little tribes that believe this, this, and this, and yes, we're all together. But if anyone in that, and this is true, if anybody in that little group ever changes their mind, you know who's going to turn on them? The people in that group. They will be so angry at them that they would almost just say, I wish you were dead. They would actually say things like that, and if they had the ability, they might even do it. That's the world that we live in because people have just closed their hearts, closed their minds, and are, this is what we believe. And, and no matter what anybody says, they're not going to change their mind. And so I wanted you to think, what views do you hold today that are so sacred to you That you will not give them up no matter what. Not even if God himself came to you and told you 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 were wrong, you wouldn't change your mind. What what are those views for you today? And I want to encourage you to, to ask God that question. Lord, look into my heart and examine me. Where am I wrong? What do I need to change? What kind of thinking do I need to turn around and think at a different way? And I want to encourage you as you do that, do not stop up your ears. Do not yell at, the loud, at your loudest voice like they did in the story with Stephen. It reminds me of a little kindergartner. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Not going to listen to anything you say. Don't be like that with God. Because if you do, it could lead you to do something You would never have thought that you would have done. So don't stop up your ears. And number two, when trouble is raging all around you, look up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When life has got you beat down, look up to the glory of God. That's what Stephen did. He looked up to heaven, he saw the glory of God, and suddenly he found peace and hope. In the midst of his terrible situation, but when life has got you beat down, and when there's real trouble all around you, you know it—it it, it makes you feel like everything's bad. You lose focus when you're sad, when you're overcome with depression, when you're angry, when you're hurt. All of a sudden, that's all you can think about, and it handicaps you. It cripples you. Um, suddenly, you can't think clearly. You can't see a way forward. You you lose your perspective and suddenly everything is bad. But when life has got you beat down, look up and find hope and refresh your attitude because things are not as bad as they seem. Even Stephen, who was literally surrounded by an angry mob that was going to murder him, even for him, Things were not as bad as they seemed on the surface. That sounds strange, I know. But Stephen looked up and he saw the glory of God. And he saw that Jesus is in the place of honor at the right hand of God. And it suddenly for him put everything in perspective to the point that he could pray for the people who were murdering him. That's amazing. If we can do that when things are really bad, we may see that God is still in control. He is still sitting on his throne, and Jesus is still there at his right side. And Jesus has already won the victory. And you can say, well, yeah, but I'm going to die. Even that is a tiny thing considered in the blip of eternity. I don't want to minimize it. But what I'm saying is that even in those most terrible moments, you can can actually say, the worst thing that can happen is that I will die. And people will say, yeah, you die. But then I will be with God forever and eternity and there will be no more pain and no more suffering and no more sickness and no more death. And all that is wrong and broken in the world and in me will be made right. That's faith, my friends. And that kind of faith, when you're able to look to God and trust in Him, all of a sudden, you come back and you look around you and you see everything falling apart and the storm is raging around you. But now you have a peace inside you that passes all understanding. And you have a hope and you can make decisions that are clear and good and holy. So when trouble is raging all around you, look up. And lastly, and this one's hard, pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Stephen prayed for the very people who stoned him to death. That's what God's people do. We should follow Stephen's example and learn how to live as Christians in a hostile world. What did he do? Well, he wasn't a pushover. Stephen was a man of wisdom who stood up and made bold arguments in favor of Christ and, and encouraged people to follow him. As so we should stand up for our beliefs and we should clearly articulate what we believe and why. And maybe we should even challenge people some, sometimes when they're not living right or when they are mistreating people. We need to stand up and we need to be bold and we need to speak out. But we also must resist the urge to become so angry and so enraged that we act like murderers. How do you do that? Jesus gave us the answer. Jesus said, Love your enemies, pray for those who curse you. And we have to. If we're going to stand up for what's right, we have to even love those who aren't doing the right thing or people that we feel like are opposing us or people that we feel like are the enemy or people who are not living as God wants them to live. You have to love them, otherwise you become no better than the enemies of God. And some will say, well, that sounds great. That sounds just like the kind of thing a preacher would say but it doesn't do any good. But that's the whole point of what Jesus did. He died on the cross and forgave the ones who crucified him. And guess what? It changed the whole world. We all know his name. We don't remember the names of the people who did that to him. We don't remember the names of all these generals that tried to conquer the world, but we remember the name of a man who died on the cross and saved it. Well, that was Jesus. He was the son of God. What about regular people? Stephen was a regular person. And listen, did you catch that part in the story where it says all these people are rushing out there to stone Stephen and they took off their coats because, you know, you've got to take off your coats and kind of get limbered up before you throw stones at somebody. And they take off their coats and they lay them down at the feet of a man named Saul. Saul started his life out hating Christians, made it his mission in life to go around the world and find as many of them as he can and arrest them and have them killed. He wanted to end Christianity until Jesus knocked him on his butt and asked him, what are you doing? And suddenly Jesus had this conversation with Saul and Saul realized Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah of the world. And so Saul... Became a Christian, probably one of the, the greatest evangelists in the New Testament. You know that 15% of the Bible that you like so much? Saul wrote about half of it. But he started out standing in a crowd with a bunch of people murdering Stephen. And so, God, and, and I have to think that something about the way Saul carried himself in that terrible situation had an effect on Saul. We're probably sitting here today because of that. So, in summary, don't stop up your ears. When trouble is raging all around you, look up and pray for your enemies. Think about those things. I'm going to close with prayer, and then we'll have the closing hymn. And as we sing, you can come to the altar and uh, write a note to Jackie, J-A-C-Q-U-E, and write her an encouraging note. Let her know that you're thinking of her and loving her, even though you've never met her. And, um, and then we'll close the service for today. Tom, come and, and lead us in our hymn. Um Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. These things that we learn in your scripture are so hard. Um, they're easy maybe to understand, but they're hard to do. And so we ask for your help. May your spirit fill us and guide us to do them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.